Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message brought to you by Pastor Robin. See you at church. celebrated, if you can use that word, the one year anniversary of Pastor Vic's going. And it was Friday and it really made me think, what is it that we're walking through when we, when we come to the final breath of our, of our lives? What are, we, what are we entering into? What can we expect? And Jesus' words, uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be. And, you know, I thought Jesus is there preparing a place for us. He came and he prepared the way so that we could go to be with him. He prepared the way by dying on that cross for us. He prepared the way by shedding his blood, his body and his blood were given for us that we could know that forgiveness of sins and know that we could have eternal life with him forever. But what does it look like? What does it look like? I think too that, you know, all of us have lost loved ones and when we pass through that final door, we're going to be reunited with those that we love, reunited uh, with those that have gone before us, reunited with um, those ones that we miss so much and we care so much for. But we're also going to be united for the first time with those heroes of the faith that we read about in our Bible every day. We're going to be united with them. And, you know, can you imagine standing before the Apostle Paul and saying, wow, I really loved how you did that. You don't look anything like a giant, you know. Um, Just all of the... I go somewhere in my imagination sometimes and I allow God to show me some incredible things um, by his grace. So the things of this world will not satisfy us eternally. The things of this world um, are temporal. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. So we're only ever going to be totally satisfied with that which is eternal, because the temporal is always going to pass away. So I was reading and listening to some messages, uh, a message by uh, Dr. Ed Heinsen, and a book that he wrote And I want to give him credit for this because it really ignited something in me as I've looked at it this week. The book is The Future Glory, Living in the Hope of the Rapture in Eternity by Dr. Ed Heinsen. And what it spoke to me about was being ready to go at any time. It keeps our focus in the right direction. It keeps our perspective right in knowing that whatever we're doing, what we're doing for eternity, we're sowing to the spirit, not to the flesh. And I don't get me wrong, we need to do things in the flesh. We've got to do our grocery shopping. We've got to clean our house. We've got to go to work. We've got to look after our kids. We've got to prepare for our future. We've got to prepare for their future. We've got to prepare that we have got to, we're going to die a very, very, very old age but we've got to be ready to go in a moment. And that's the eternity that we're looking to. That is the infinite 
passing of this world away that God is going to call us into. None of us knows what time we have, where we're living in the days that we're living in. And it keeps our focus on Jesus. But before heaven happens, we're looking this morning at the rapture of the church, our glorious hope. And I have never preached on this before. And yet I think in light of the last few years and what we're seeing around the world, you know, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. And I know a lot of churches don't preach this these days, but it's something that is in the Word. It's it's a significant part of the Word and we really need to get it into our spirit that one day there's going to be a shout from heaven and the trump of God and we who are with him are going to be caught up in the air and we'll be with him forever and ever and ever. So the next major the next major event on our prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. And lots of things might happen in the lead up to that, but it's a signless event and nothing needs to precede it. You see for the believer when we die, we are absent from the body and we're present with the Lord. But I want to look at 1 Thessalonians 4.16 this morning. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. We're going to be caught up in the air. 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are confident. Yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. You see, it's going to happen before the tribulation. We have many trends and theologies of thought that it's a pre-trib, a mid-trib, a post-trib rapture. And yet I believe that we will go before the tribulation that comes, before the wrath is poured out on the world. And I don't want to get into that today. But I just want to skim some of these things this morning, just to encourage you this morning that no matter what's happening, there is a great hope coming that God has a plan for each and every one of us. And it's a good plan. It's a great plan. And it's an eternal eternal plan no matter what's going on in the earth you know the dead that are already there they're going to be raised and the living the believers we who believe we're going to be caught up when that trumpet sounds and that's going to be the day where we're going to just we might be about our business doing stuff and all of a sudden we're going to hear that trump and Jesus is going to appear and we're going to go with him up through the air We're not going to have weight problems or joint problems or sickness problems. We're going to fly. And isn't that a wonderful thought? Is that exciting to you or just to me? Ah, No matter what's happening, there is a day coming where it's all going to be so worthwhile. So could some of the second coming signs be casting a shadow on the church age? You see, the rapture and the second coming are two separate events. I'm going to touch on that briefly in a little while. But I think that some of the signs we're seeing in the earth are definitely definitely a precursor for us to get ready, for us to look up. You see, precursors set the stage for something that is about to come. For example, if you go to the shopping centre... If you go to the shopping centre on the first day of January, you see hot cross buns out again. (laughs) 
It's a precursor. It's saying Easter's coming. So these are signs that are pointing to things that are about to come in the natural. And I think that one of the great signs that we are in our last days, and that may be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 100 years, I don't know. No, no one can, can predict when that's going to happen. No one can set dates. We've just got to be rapture ready and live each day ready for Jesus. We've got to live as if it, our, it's our last day on earth. We've got to make each day count for him. But one of the signs of the end times, and it is a precursor, I believe, is that there's apostasy and unbelief that are rising up. And it's interesting these days. Everyone's got an opinion and everyone is able to express an opinion, except if you're Christian. Everyone has a theory or something they want to espouse, except if you're a Christian, you're, you're shouted down, you're pilloried, you're not accepted as credible. And yet we've got to take up that challenge and have a voice in the days that we're living in and speak the love of Jesus, the hope of Jesus. And, you know, be to our community and those abroad that the, the life that Jesus wants us to live, to be the hope in him, to be the signpost pointing to him in everything that we do. First, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 says there is a great apostasy, a great falling away in the end times, a great falling away from faith, a great watering down, I believe, of faith, a great watering down of the word that's not preached, of the, the full tenet of scripture that doesn't come forth. And yet we have a whole Bible because it's the whole Bible that God wants us to read, to get into our spirits, to walk by faith in him, taking hold of the word that he speaks to us and, and running with it, running with endurance, the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. I really believe that that falling away, that apostasia, apostasia it means to stand away from it means to take a stand away from the original position and that's a falling away. If you've walked with Jesus for a long time and all of a sudden you're feeling like, oh, I don't want to walk with him that way anymore, that's apostasia. It's a standing away. It's a turning away from a thing that you held dear and true in your life before that. It's living your life and keeping a short account, releasing forgiveness, not holding bad feeling towards people. If you've got something against your brother or sister, go to them, pray, ask forgiveness, speak to them. Let's keep short accounts, people, with everyone that we live with and everyone that is part of our world. Let's live and let Jesus shine through us every day of our life. You see, what happens when we die? When we die, our spirit goes to heaven and the body goes to the grave. But at the rapture... The spirit and the body are resurrected and reunited. We're reunited, spirit, soul and body for all eternity. Isn't that incredible? We're caught up, flying through the air by the power of God. And just think about it, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for us and will raise us up and take us through into that place that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But you know, Jesus said, the power that Jesus exhorted when he said, he called Lazarus forth from the grave. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And I heard it said many times that if he didn't say Lazarus, everyone who was dead would have come forth out of the grave. That would have been a sight to behold, wouldn't it? Could you imagine it? Better than the 
worst apocalypse zombie movie ever. <laughs> They're all rising up because the power of Jesus calling us forth. Isn't that amazing? That resurrection life. But the Father's house, let's look at that for a moment. You see, the bride must be taken to the Father's house. It's one big house with lots of room. And the Father's house is heaven. John 14, 2-3, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. I go to prepare a place for you. This is heaven. Jesus, who died for us, our Saviour and our Lord, Jesus, God, is there preparing a place for us. Isn't that a, an outstanding thought? That the creator of the world is preparing a place for us to live with him in eternity. What, what an outstanding thought that is. You see, the beauty of this world... Think about the most beautiful sight you've ever seen. Think about the most wonderful experience you've ever he had. Think about the most glorious music you've ever heard or sung. Think about the deepest love you've ever felt. The beauty of this world is nothing compared to the house that God is preparing for us to live in forever and ever and ever. Say, and ever, and ever. You see, when we're raised with him, we go in a glorified state. There's no sin, there's no sickness, no COVID, no mortgages. There's no animosity, there's no hatred, there's no jealousy, there's no false agenda. You see, we're all focused on being with Jesus and being with the Father forever and ever. No more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. And, you know, we can never feel truly comfortable in this world that we're living in because it's not home. We're pilgrims, we're aliens and strangers passing through this world because it's not home. We're not home yet. We have a job to do. We have a function to perform. We have people to love and we're to be loved on while we get on with the Father's business. While we're about his business... He's about ours. And in the meantime, while we're about his business, he goes before us and blesses us with the things that are of concern for us. He ministers to our hearts, the cry of our heart in the depths of our despair at times, in our anxiety, how am I going to pay this bill? What about this sick one? What about, what about, fill in the blanks. While we go about the Father's business, he goes about ours. And we won't know the true depth or the true picture of everything that's going on until we stand before the Father. We'll stand before him. And the Bible says we'll stand before him and we will know all things. We'll have this amazing download from heaven and everything that we've gone through, our light and our momentary tribulation are working for us an exceeding weight of glory in him. You see, it's all in him. So whatever we do, we work at it for all, with all our heart as working for the Lord and not for man. We'll know, we'll see clearly. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. For now we see 
in a mirror dimly, but then we will know all things. What an encouragement that is. So we trust in God. We walk in the things we know and we trust in the unknown because when God calls you, he equips you. He leads you in his path. He takes you on that journey with him. And sometimes it's a bumpy ride, but when we're walking with Jesus, when we hold the hand of the man who stilled the waters, as that song says, we can trust in the eternal God and his plan for us no matter what is happening in our lives. When we're in heaven, we'll have a greater sense of recognition. Our bodies will be indestructible. And everyone said, yay. (laughs) We'll identify everyone that we see there that we've known. We're buried in weakness. And when we are raised, we're in his power in our new bodies. And we'll have capacities and no limitations. You see, I remember reading the scripture with Jesus He entered the room. He entered the room without going through opening the door. You see, our bodies are renewed and made supernatural. Let's look at John 20 verse 19. Then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. You see, earth had no power to stop him. And our bodies are going to be the same. We're going to be supermen and women in God. And then we come to the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm skimming, I know. But I really want to lay a bit of a foundation today. The judgment seat of Christ is, were we faithful to his call? And that's the question we've got to each ask ourselves. Am I faithful to what God's calling me to do today? I can't change yesterday and my tomorrow hasn't unfolded. But am I faithful to what God is asking of me today? John 9, 4 says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You see, we're all going to stand before that judgment seat of Jesus and be rewarded for all we've done. Good works won't get us to heaven, but we're rewarded and we're given crowns for all the things that we've done. When we're born again, we're saved. So good works are not bring us salvation. But when we're saved, we don't just stay at that place of salvation. What has he called us to do? What is he asking of us? What's he put in our hand to do? Like David with his, his five smooth stones. You know, a stone that's lying in a riverbed looks like nothing until it's picked up in the hand of someone who's called to wield it and slay a Goliath. What have we been called to do? What have we been, what's been placed in our hands to do? What is it that God is asking of you and me today to do? You see, when we're born again, we're on our way to heaven. We're already on our way to heaven. But in between now and then, the good works that we do and the things that we do for him are what are judged. And the crowns that we're given 
as we arrive in heaven for the work that we've done. It's not about the crowns. It's not about the reward. But the Bible says we cast the crowns down at the feet of Jesus. It's an act of worship that, God, you gave us the works to do. We did it. We're here. You've given us a crown. And now we lay the crowns down at your feet because you're worthy of all praise and all glory and all honour. What an incredible thought that is. And, you know, those crowns that are given to us when we receive, when we, we finally are standing before God, it's not just the leaders or the pastors or the elders It's not just the heads of departments, it's every believer, every single believer, every born-again believer who loves Jesus and is working for him, is doing what he's called them to do. That's all we need to do. God keeps a record book. And I asked myself as I was looking at this, are we going to regret those things that we didn't do? And I think God's going to give us an eternal perspective on everything that we've done or not done. So yes and no. We need to understand that when we're saved, we're saved by grace. And sometimes we need to appropriate that grace in our own lives and say, you know what, I messed up, but today I'm going to make it better. Today I'm going to make it count can't change my yesterday, but I can change my today. Ephesians 2.10, I love this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk, work, walk in them. His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Look at the person next to you. Say, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. And when I looked into the essence of this word, it's the Greek word poemia, which is the word that we take as poem. And a poem is a thing of beauty. You are his poemia. You are his thing of beauty. And as poetry, God expresses himself through us and how we live our lives in response to this grace, this incredible grace he has poured upon us. Isn't that wonderful? You are his workmanship, his poemia, poetry in motion. Don't you love words? Yeah. We're going to be judged fairly. We're going to be judged by Jesus who died for us all and he's just and he will judge us according to his incredible grace. No fact will be overlooked. And you know what? Sometimes I think, you know, some of the things that, I did pre-salvation. If you're brought up in a home where you were abused, you had a really rough upbringing or whatever, and things that you did as a result of that, you know, it's not going to be overlooked. And it affected the way you live, but you know what? God's not going to judge you according to what you did before you came to him. He's not judging you on your first birth. He's judging you on your second birth when you were born again in him. And the choices that we make after we come to him. And then the marriage supper of the Lamb comes after the judgment seat of Christ. And what is it? Paul said, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, 
nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into your heart. In other words, we cannot even imagine the things that God's prepared for us when we finally finish what he's given us to do here. It's beyond our comprehension because we have a finite mind and we have an infinite God. What an incredible thought that is. Revelation 19. And as I was reading through that, as Jesus preparing to return to earth, four hallelujahs, four paragraphs, four hallelujahs, four praise the Lord's. And then Revelation 19, 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. You see, prophecy is not just bad news only for the unbeliever. Good news for the unbeliever is that there is a hope as we turn to Jesus. But for the believer, that prophecy, and and there's so much prophecy in the Word of God and so often we don't even touch on it in the Word because it's one of those things that can strike fear into our hearts and can put trepidation into our hearts and yet it's the glorious hope that Jesus is coming back for his bride a bride without spot and a bride without blemish and what an incredible thought that is and we should be encouraged by that the marriage supper of the lamb happens when the tribulation is happening here on earth that is one train of thought and when we think about it we think about the picture of the Jewish wedding the, gro- the groom's gone to prepare his room for his bride. Hmm. And when the room's ready, he comes back at a time when no one can predict, at a time when no one is aware. And he gives a shout and he blows a trumpet and then he snatches the bride up to himself. And that's what Jesus is going to do for us. What a thought. God is going to take us home to the Father's house in the rapture, then to the judgment seat, and then to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The wedding is described here in such a beautiful way that we are the bride of Christ. Israel is his wife, we're his bride. The second coming of Christ, we come back with Jesus to establish... Mm. When we come back with Jesus, he's going to establish his millennial kingdom. Do you know, after salvation, the doctrine of salvation in the Bible, the second coming of Christ, is the most common theme in the Bible. Did you know that? Pastor Vic was huge on this. So many have been saved through the ministry of the second coming of Christ and the teaching. You see, it's about what this next life is going to be, what we're going to do for him, how we're going to impact our community, how we're going to love on our loved ones, how we're going to love on our enemies, how we are going to bring the gospel to our community, to our friends, to our nation and, and, and beyond with the hope of Jesus. What is God asking of us today? What is he asking of us today? See, the harvest is white. It's ripe. It's white, it's ready, ready to be wrapped. What are we doing? 
Are we ready? Humanity, during the tribulations at its lowest point, and Jesus is coming back, and we're coming back with him. And you know what? He's coming on a white horse. He's not coming back on a donkey. <laughs> His first entry into Jerusalem was on a donkey. The second entry is going to be on a white horse. And on his name, on his, his thigh, was, is the scripture, faithful and true, King of kings and Lord of lords. And that gives me goosebumps when I speak that. And we're coming with him on the horses as well. Satan gets put into the abyss for a thousand years. He gets bound up. Revelation 19, 11 to 14. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war his eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns he had a name written that no one knew except himself he was clothed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of god and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean followed him on white horses white robed believers we are coming back with Jesus. We don't set dates. We don't do that. But we need to be ready. See, God is not going to attack his bride. What husband, what groom ever attacks his bride, pours wrath out on her? That's why we go before the tribulation. God is loving and kind. He loves us so much. He sent Jesus to die for us. He sent him to pay the price for us that we could never pay. So if this is a loving God that we serve and love, why would he inflict on his precious bride the wrath of the tribulation? Doesn't make sense, does it? Revelation 19 is probably the most dramatic chapter of Revelation and it's the final capstone of the death and resurrection of Christ because he comes back, he crushes all satanic activity and he establishes his kingdom on earth in the fulfilment of the Old Testament prophecies. And you think, well, why do we need to come back for a thousand years? Why can't we go to heaven and just stay there forever and ever? Because he needs to fulfill the promise and the prophecy of the Old Testament that there must be a Messiah, the son of David, on the throne of David on earth and that the law and the truth of God is going to go out to the world for a thousand years. So everything that's going to be done in that time, Jesus is going to rule on the throne in Jerusalem for a thousand years. We're going to be there. And it's going to be a time of the most incredible, unbelievable Christian influence. It's after the tribulation. And there's going to be a time of incredible evangelism that those that didn't go before, before the rapture are given every opportunity to make those choices. So no one is without hope. No one is without hope and no one is without excuse. When we preach the word of God, we make a decision for Jesus today. We make a decision because today is the day we have. And we know that everyone born again during that time will receive Jesus and will have an eternal inheritance with God. 
forever and ever and ever. And that's just to me another picture of God's incredible grace, God's incredible love for his world. Amazing. There'll be no deception. There'll be no wars. No fake news. Hard to believe, isn't it? But that's the pre-runner to heaven forever and ever. What a thought. So encourage each other today. Are we ready? Are we doing what we've been called to do? Are we rapture ready? Are we in the midst of grief or strife or ill health? Are we tired? Yes to all of the above for some of us. But the promise in Revelation 7, 17, it's the only Jesus gives us eternal life. The lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to a living fountain of water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. In Revelation 21, 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. And from the book of Psalms, chapter 56. How precious are your tears to him. Verse 8 says, you number my wanderings. Put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your books? God knows everything you're going through. God knows every tear you've cried. God knows every tear you're going to cry. But when we're finally home, there'll be no more tears. Hallelujah. Kleenex will not be needed because he's a good God. Are we ready? Being about his business. Sharing Jesus. Reaching the lost. Reaching the not yet believers. Knowing that every prayer we pray for them is having an impact. Even though you don't see the result yet, by faith, believing that God's working through the things you're doing and the prayers you're praying. So much. So much to encourage us. But today, let's pray. Are we ready? Are we living for Jesus? Are we looking for the hope that he has? Are we downcast? Let's lift our eyes up to him today. Are we trusting in the eternal plan of God? Are we believing for the promises of his word? I think we're all works in progress. So we can all say yes to some and maybe to others. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that, Lord God, you you made a way for salvation for every one of us, that we would be your children, that you would call us yours and that we could know that you are our Abba Father and 
that Jesus died for us. This morning I thank you that as we call upon the name of Jesus, we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that, Lord God, you raised Jesus from the dead. We shall be saved. And as we pray that prayer today for the first time, I thank you for salvation is in your name. There is no other name under heaven by which we will be saved. Lord God, I pray for anyone praying that prayer today for that first time or giving their life back to you, Father God. I pray, Father, you would just um, encourage them, bless them and help them, Father God, to keep their eyes on you in this season that they're living in. For each one of us today, I pray, Father God, that you would, Lord God, give us that future and hope as a revelation in our hearts that we are your workmanship, we are your poemia, we are the ones that you have, Lord God, called to do the good works that you've placed in our hearts to do. And Lord God, I pray that in the perfect timing that you have for each one of us, we will fulfil your plan for us, Lord God, that we would complete what you've given us to do, Father. We thank you, Father God, that as we are ready for you, Lord God, we work with all our hearts and all our souls, Lord, doing the things that you've called us to do, those things in the natural, looking after our partners, our families, our community, Lord God. But in the meantime, Father God, we thank you that as we are about your business, you are about ours, Lord God. And I praise you and thank you that, Lord God, you have taken note of everything that is of concern to us as we've lifted those things to you. God, I pray for breakthrough in families. I pray, Father God, for a fresh revelation of your incredible love and that your plan is an eternal one, Lord God, and the things that are temporal, Lord God, pass away. But, Father, I thank you also that in the light of eternity, Lord God, everything is made beautiful and you have put eternity into our hearts, Lord God. We seek your face today, Lord, and we praise you and thank you for the power of your word, the enormity of... Lord God, your ability to impact our lives, to impact our community. Father God, you are amazing. And we just thank you and praise you and give you all the glory for all that you're doing in us and through us. In the precious and the matchless name of Jesus. And we give you thanks. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church. Or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. 